believe in yourself and have pride in yourself, I would say, and don't fall into just being one of the blokes. Welcome to the Beers with a Minor podcast, episode number 18. I am Mad Mumsy. For years now, I have been asked the same questions. How does a little thing like you drive those big trucks? You must be rich. How do I get a job doing that? Not everyone is cut out to be a miner, but why not? What is it really like and what does it take to thrive and survive in this industry? Tune in each episode as I sit down for a relaxed chat, usually over a few beers with a fellow miner. Audio blogs are also shared so you don't have to read. Now let's dig in. Get it? Dig. Mining. Ah, ha, ha, crack me up. <laughs> This week I have Lynn Olsen on the podcast and Lynn began her mining career as a breakfast cook way back in 1986 and ended up as a laboratory supervisor. That's 30 years ago. A lot has changed since then. As a lady who forged the way for many of us today to work in male-dominated industries, we dig into questions like what challenges did she face? What was it like being one of the only girls on a mine site in the 80s and much more? Lynn is also my mum. I am so very proud and honoured to have her as a role model and inspiration to keep going with all my dreams and passions. Welcome to the Beers with a Miner podcast, mum, Lynn. Thank you, Leanne. Pleased to be here. I hope I can help. Oh, I'm sure that you can. Now... As this podcast is called the Beers with a Minor podcast, I like to start these happy hour episodes with my guests sharing their favourite beverage and also their favourite time to enjoy it. It could be a beer, wine, spirit or perhaps even a cup of tea. What is yours? Well, it's definitely not a cup of tea (laughs) at this hour of the night. It's five o'clock somewhere, as we all say, but it actually is five o'clock at the moment, I think. Mm. My beverage of choice is a glass of Shiraz, red wine, which I, I love, and it's from the Bross Valley in South Australia, of course. Of course. Yeah. It's winter at the moment, so I like to drink red, but in the summer I like to drink a nice Sav Blanc, nice white chilled wine, and that suits me just fine. You don't have ice in your wine, do you? No, unless it's a 40-degree day <laughs> and they say drink it at room temperature. Well, that's far too hot. So it, I don't really put ice in it, but I like it chilled in the fridge. That's right. Whereas I have mine, we've had many a discussion over this, and I've even brought it up on past podcast <laughs> episodes. But, um, yeah, I have mine out of the, off the shelf. What's that, room temperature? And but I chuck a couple of ice blocks in it. But I'm a beer drinker, not a wine connoisseur. Yeah, that's sacrilege. Yeah, <laughs> I remember when I first started drinking wine, and I went down to Adelaide, and I was staying at a motel, oh, quite a flash place. And I went down to the restaurant, and I ordered what I thought was going to be a red wine. Do you remember this story? And no. I sent you a picture. I, ha- I was having a steak. And the wine that I ordered was actually a white wine. And I was trying to be so, yes, I'll have a, what's the white wine that you drink when we go out? Sav Blanc. Sav Blanc, yeah. Mm. So I must have said that. I'll have a Sav Blanc thing, thinking I was saying a cab Sav. And it came out and it was white. And I felt like, well, they didn't know I got the wrong one, but they probably thought, why is she having a white wine with her steak? <laughs> yeah, it's far more acceptable now, I think, to oh. drink whichever 
white or red with whatever you want. Oh, okay, that's good. Because I remember I sent you a picture and said, I got it wrong, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> Times have changed. Times have changed. Okay, well, let's dig into the interview. You ready? I'm ready. You're ready. Bring it on. Let's dig in. Let's start with your story. How did you get into mining and what was the first thing you did? I believe it was back in 1986. And why Why did you get into mining? Yes, it was in 1986. Um, I'd worked all my married life in the corporate world at a very high level and um, loved it. And then when I became single again, I moved to a country town in South Australia and I had to work two jobs to get uh, somewhere near the salary that I was getting in the corporal world, even though that fell a lot short. And one day I was in working in the bar, which was my second job, and these four or five neatly, nicely dressed young ladies came in wearing the excellent gold bracelets and the right haircut and all the rest of it. And I thought, I wonder where they work around here. So I asked (laughs) them and they said, oh, we work out at the local mine. And um, my ears pricked up and I said, oh, what do you do out there? And they said, oh, we're cleaners. And I thought, cleaners? Because back then I thought cleaners were on pretty low salary compared to what I had been on. And um, I got talking and I asked one of them, I said, if you don't mind me asking, what would you earn a week? Or what would you take home a week? And they said, well, we take home $500 a week. And the dollar signs went up and I thought, hmm, I'm struggling. I don't even get that on two jobs. I'll just interrupt. Remember that that's 30 years ago. I know. So $500 30 I'm, years ago was a shitload of money. In 1986, it was very good money. Mm. And for a cleaner as well. Especially. That's yes. Right. And mm. I thought, hmm. I don't know, maybe I'll try and get a job out there as a cleaner. Anyway, I didn't think anything more about it and they kept coming in regularly and then one day the camp manager from the local mine come in and he asked me if I knew anyone who was a breakfast cook because they needed one out in the mines. And I thought, aha, here's my (laughs) opportunity. And I said, what about me? And he said, can you cook breakfast? I said, what do you have to cook? He said, bacon and eggs. And I said, I could cook bacon and eggs not knowing at the time that it would be for 120 hungry guys. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, okay, come on out and I'll give you a go. So um, it was a real culture shock and I loved it and I got a reputation for my scrambled eggs being the best over the years. <laughs> and I had to also clean crib, crib rooms, which were their smoko huts, I suppose, and lunch, yeah. lunch huts back then. And I really liked it, and I did that for 12 months, but it was hard work mm. and hot work. And what time did you have to get up? Like mm. breakfast cook, you'd have to be organised pretty yes, early. Yeah, about four in the morning, yeah. start at six, but you had a lot of prep work to do beforehand. And it was long days, and it was hot, hot and dry out in the outback of South Australia. So I did that for about 12 months and thought, no, I'm over this. I think I want to do something else. And I was walking my dog one day, which happened to be an old English sheep dog, which was a bit of a joke in the mine and within the family because it was all red dirt out there. And I had this big old, all young, old English sheep dog. Oh, Mishka. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd um, put him a resignation and I was walking her after work and um, this 
mine vehicle pulled up and it was the mine manager and he pulled over and he said, oh, I hear you're leaving, Lynn. And I said, yes. And he said, why don't you come and work for us? And I said, what doing? He said, in the laboratory. I said, oh, no, I, I couldn't work in the laboratory. I didn't do chemistry at school. No, not, no scientist. No, I, I was a secretary. Mm. And his words to me was, we can train you. You can train, we can train monkeys to do anything nowadays. <laughs> so you'll start at the bottom and we'll give you a job. And I really liked the place, so I thought, okay, I'll give that a go. Mm. So I stayed where I was in my own room, started work with them, and it was in their sample preparation area, which to the uninitiated was, or and to me was just weighing up piles of dirt. Because <laughs> you were the uninitiated. <laughs> putting it through various machines to get different crushing fines and all that. And um, I did that for about six months. And then they put me in the laboratory and all I did was weigh up samples. Um, it was a copper mine at the time. And that all went well. It was very basic what I did. But after that, I'd made quite a bit of money and I, I decided I wanted to go and live in Queensland and open my own shop. Sounds familiar. <laughs> Where did I get on and open the hippie shop from? I never thought about that. Yeah. Yeah, so I went, moved Holus Bolus to um, Sunshine Coast to Malula Bar and opened a little craft shop. And what a mad, a mad mistake that was. <laughs> no way did I make $500 a week. It was, was good fun, but the funds got really, really low. So... I did that for about a year and then I moved to Townsville thinking that might be the answer and that wasn't the answer and then I thought the only thing I can do is to get back into the mines. I'm going to have to get back into catering to start off because catering is a good point, starting place to get into the mines. So like preparing the meals in the kitchen and, and stuff, that's catering, isn't it? Yeah, yep. <laughs> kitchen hand and breakfast cook and all that. So I applied for a job and they took me on straight away, but it was in West Australia. So Western Australia. So oh. I got on a bus and five days later from Townsville to Perth, um, there I arrived in Western Australia as a breakfast cook once again. Had you ever been to WA? I had done with you, if you remember. Oh, yeah, for motorbikes. <laughs> for motorbikes. Yeah, but other than that, you no. hadn't ever lived over there or worked over there or... No, we went over there for the national titles, didn't That's we? That's right. I remember yeah. going on the bus on the Nullarbor and brushing our teeth in bore water. It was disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> and we liked Western Australia and I'd, mostly the southwest corner, which everybody knows and loves. It was great, but the mine I got sent to was nowhere down in the lovely southwest of Western Australia. It was out on the edge of the Simpson Desert, 12 hours' drive from Perth. I won't name the mine, but there was quite a few gold... It was a gold mine out there. So I started all over again as a breakfast cook. What a huge change from... Did you see that as a um, backwards move, like you were a breakfast cook, then you got into the lab and stuff? And then you ended up back as a breakfast cook. How did you, or were you just pleased to be back in the mm. mining, back in the money? You, you gave your little shop a go mm. and um, 
there you were in the 12 hours from Perth on the other yeah. side of the country. Yeah, I decided hard work was the only way to go and um, I was still single and I was there to make money and this time I was going to stay until I'd reached my goals, which I didn't know at that stage what they were, but I, I just <laughs> knew that this was the answer for me. So I started that all over again with the view that I wouldn't work for the catering company for too long. I would change over to the mine and get into the laboratory, which ah, is what yep. I did. Yep. I only worked three months or something and then applied for a job um, with the company and got put into the laboratory at the bottom once again, weighing up. Which would have been tough. <laughs> yeah, it was But at tough. least you were back in the lab again. Yeah, it didn't mm. bother me. I loved it. It was a terrific life. There weren't many women there, so mm. I suppose... Did you have to wear a white lab coat like a scientist? Yeah, we did. Oh, you did? Really? Yeah, I thought did. you were so sure you were going to say no. I've never no, asked you that yeah, before. Yeah, we did until later on in the story I decided when I got to be a supervisor I didn't like them, so we ended up with coloured coats. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> Coming from... <laughs> we, well, we, we won't... Spoiler alert, spoiler alert. No, we won't, we won't say that. So you were back in the kitchen... Is this where the silver side story comes from? Oh, the silver side story. The silver side story. Yes. I, I love this story. Please share it. Oh, <laughs> I was um, breakfast cook once again. Apparently my scrambled eggs went down very well. And amongst other things, I, I got quite creative. And uh, we had a fairly good budget for meals back then. Um, a lot to play with. Anyway, the uh, chef was going away for a weekend and he got me to cook the meals and he left strict instructions on what I had to, had to have and serve. And one of them was silver side, which I didn't know at the time was supposed to last through about three meals. Anyway, <laughs> I cooked this silver side for hours and hours and hours my way. As you do. You make the best silver side at home. Yeah. And the aroma wafted right throughout the mess and everyone who came to lunch and what have you. It was going to be for tea that night and everyone went, oh, what are you cooking? Because I don't think they'd smelt that lovely aroma for a long time. I said, silver side. So they all come in and had tea. There was no not going in for tea because there wasn't anything they liked. They all lined up for this silver side and then they were all making sandwiches for crib the next day. And anyway, it lasted through tea that night and by breakfast time the next day the whole lot had gone and I, word got out word got out and i did end up getting into trouble with the chef what do you say because i blew the budget <laughs> <laughs> but i didn't care everyone said said to him oh you know you should get her to cook more often which didn't go down that well at the time oh because he's the chef and you were the breakfast cook yeah yeah but anyway that was all right and then it wasn't long after that that I changed over to the mine again and got a job in the laboratory. Back in the lab, yeah. Back in the lab, which was all girls at the time. So, oh, true. Yeah, it was great. Um, there weren't many females on site. Mm. Can you talk about that? Because this is 30 years ago. Mm. Was that a common place for the women to be in the lab? Yeah. What else were they usually doing, women, in those days? Well, there was two or three worked in admin. Um, there was about three drove trucks 
not very many of them. Yeah. And um, then there were the laboratory girls who were partners or girlfriends of guys who already worked there. Ah, right. They got there because they asked. They didn't advertise. Mm. They asked and said, you know, if you've got a lady somewhere, we'll give her a job. Yep. And we all sort of learnt like that. Yeah. And it was great. But there was, I think there was eight women all up and about 150 guys in that mine. Wow. Yeah. It was Not quite the 20... 20% women by 2020 target that they're heading for at the moment, like not even close. No, no. It was, it was, and it was really tough back then. There was a, a lot on you. You got so much attention um, put on you all the time. You're in the spotlight because of these guys. Because and, why? why? Because why? Because there weren't many women. Yeah. And plus the roster was not real good. And what roster? Six weeks on and one week off. Holy crap. 12-hour days. And it was pretty tough because it was really, really hot out there. What sort of temperatures, when you say hot, because I haven't worked over in the Pilbara or WA, only in Queensland and New South Wales where it was freezing. (laughs) Well, one day it did get to 52 degrees in the pit. Oh, gosh. And we had a couple of drillers actually pass out. Oh, yeah. Down there. Because you're in all your PPE. Or did they used to wear, I hadn't thought of this question, did they used to wear shorts or long pants or short sleeves? No long pants. We wore shorts and tank tops. Yeah. In the lab. And um, a coat if we were working with chemicals. If we weren't working with the chemicals, if we're out the back weighing up samples, we didn't wear a lab coat. Because it's too dusty and dirty in it. Yeah. So. And it's white. <laughs> it's too hard to clean. <laughs> yes. But no, uh, we just wore shorts, um, which, thinking on it now, what mm. everyone wears. And working with the dangerous chemicals, you know, it just wasn't on. It was amazing that we didn't get yeah. accidents and burns and things like that. That's right. And then Got there's... A couple of little burns here and there, but not much. Yeah. And has that affected... Your skin much? Like, does it go away or when you no. get a... What sort of burn is it? Acid or something? Yeah, it's an acid burn. I've got a nitric acid burn there. We did wear rubber gloves mm. when we were handling the acids. And we wore safety glasses. And that's about all. So what was the nitric acid used for? It was used in the chemical process to find out how much gold was in a sample. Yeah. Could you um, see the gold? No. Oh, so Couldn't, there weren't big nuggets coming through that no. you weighed up like on the scale and no, little ouncy things. just looked like dirt. Oh, and boring. it wasn't until it went through <laughs> all the processes and was assayed at the end did you get a result. But you had to be very, very particular and very careful about everything you did because um, the whole mine, um, this particular mine, there was three pits and all those results came from the laboratory as to which ones they were going to dig first or next or what was going to happen. So the results had to be spot on. Mm. So you needed good people in there. Um, There was a lot of good people in there, but there was a lot who wanted to do shortcuts and things like that. So we just had a little pause. La, la, la. Cheers, Mummy. Cheers. Enjoying this? Yeah. Yeah. So we were in the lab. When um, the, well, I suppose they're called samplers, Um, would drop off pallets full of um, samples that were in calico bags 
I can't remember. I think they're about five kilo. It's a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> were they in pounds or kilos? Kilos. It wasn't that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> and they're on pallets and all marked at which pit and all the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah, we, we had four or five guys worked in sample preparation, which was the dirty part of the lab, and the girls worked in what we called the wet lab, which was the final processing. When the pallets came in, all labelled, and each bag was labelled with a sample number, they had to be loaded into an oven for 12 hours to be dried out. And you, if you opened the bag and looked at it and felt it, you'd think it was dry, but it's not It's not dry. It's classed mm. as a wet sample that had to go in the oven. Well, to keep the process rolling, because it was continuous 24-hour process, um, we worked day and night, and the lab had to keep going to keep the whole mine going. So you did do night shift? I did night shift, yes, yep. as well. And um, to keep the boys out the back on night shift busy, I used to drive the forklift, which was a bit of a laugh because I was hopeless, and um, <laughs> load these pallets into the um, up onto a deck and then into the oven. So it was pretty hot, hard work. And I ended up, I got a lot of the guys' respect because when I first took over, that was when I was laboratory supervisor. I've jumped a bit because I mm. started off, I wasn't laboratory supervisor. And by law of attrition with people leaving, I ended up going up because <laughs> you're the only leading, one left as a leading hand oh. was the only one left who knew more than the new ones coming in so oh, I was right. it yes yes and there was back then there was this real male female thing mm. uh, we got paid the same money as they did yeah that's um, one which thing. is what you do now yep but we had to do the same work if not work harder and we've heard that right throughout the industry, through every industry. You've got to prove yourself. Mm. So we worked twice as hard as the guys. Sorry, guys, but we did. Yeah. So I used to keep it going by packing all the ovens for them. They didn't have excuse to sit around outside making out they were doing something when they were actually smoking. Um, and back, back in the days, yeah, talk about that. Well, yeah. Um, even the girls, everybody smoked. And it was quite annoying because we had no, not then. I'd given up by then. Um, People smoked, and every half hour or hour, they down tools and disappear, and they'd be outside smoking. And one would go out, and the other one would go out with them. So naturally, they'd have a little chat, and it'd be about half an hour before they come back. Mm. And I started to weigh all this up one day, and because we weren't get meeting the production quotas. And just had to clamp down on it, so I wasn't very popular. But they could go out for a smoke, but it had to be no more than 10 minutes and back in into yeah, it. Actually, just go and have a smoke and mm, go out there and blind. Mm. But if you've got 15 people working in the lab and they all smoke and they all take breaks every hour, you know, it soon adds up to production, loss of production, which yeah. mining is all about. And in the laboratory, more so than anywhere, you have to keep that going. Because in the morning, the results would have to be all entered on the computer and then hard copies taken over to the supervisor of the whole show. The the pit or? No, there's pit supervisors. Um, 
process supervisor, we'll call him. <laughs> I can't remember it so long ago. Oh, this is bad. Have another no, drink. Yeah, Have okay. another drink. Cheers. Let's do Cheers. that. Cheers. <laughs> the head metallurgist. I just remembered. Ah, oh, see, red wine is good for many things. Yes. Uh, the head metallurgist, so you had to have the results. And if a machine had broken down or something had happened, I'd have to explain why. And my head was on the chopping block the whole time. Um, I was very unpopular at times with certain people in the lab. Mm. If they were doing their job right and were keeping up, it was fine. But if lazy and not doing their job, lazy. you know, I used to have to jump on them a bit because the hierarchies used to jump on me. Yeah. So, as I say, shit rolls downhill. Yeah. <laughs> Usually it's like, in my world, the truckies are at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, well, the... the Who boy, was at the bottom in the laboratory? The, the boys out in the sample prep area right, were at the bottom. Yeah, yeah. Were there ever girls out in the sample prep? Oh, you started out these. Yes, I started out there. Line. And um, your sister, my daughter, Dione. Hard hat mentor. Yes. is with a minor... Uh, people know her as, and you can hear her episode, madmumsy.com forward slash beers eight, I believe. I'll leave a link to it in the show notes to listen to Hard Hat Mentor, which is my sister, Blister, your other daughter, yeah, mm. who started when she was 18. Yes, in that, in that first mine, though, mm. not this mine, in yep. the first mine back in South Australia, she started on her 18th birthday yeah. as a cleaner. And as... Uh, luck would have it, on her 21st birthday, she started with me in the laboratory in Western Australia. Really? On in her 21st? Lab. Yeah, on Did her 21st birthday. Mm. And uh, happy birthday. Yeah. Um, but anyway, she was a terrific worker and her and I, we got a real rhythm in and we held a real record. We wanted to break a record of putting the most samples through. And Competitive much? Very much. <laughs> Where very do much. I get it from? Yeah. But... Um, she worked in the lab for a few months and then she ended up going over to be a mill operator, process operator. That's probably enough labby stuff, yeah. do you think? Yeah. Yeah. So women, oh, let's talk about in camp in general, perhaps. What do you want to say about women? Well, as we touched on before, um, there weren't a lot of women there. There was more in this mine, probably about a dozen, I'd say. Probably about a dozen, and they were all younger than I was. Mm-hmm. Um, so how old would you have been at this stage? I was in my early 40s. Fit, played a lot of sport and lo- loved the lifestyle. But how, excuse me for interrupting. How old were you when you started in mining? Was it 40? About 38. 38. Mm. So you were a bit earlier than me because mm. I was 40. 39. 39, yeah. Yeah, yeah. about the same. You tend to follow in my footsteps a lot. I do, don't I? Yeah, but it was good. And even from the first mine, um, you're dirty and you're tired and you're scruffy and you, you go back to your room. And, oh, you, you didn't shower in your room in those days. You had a block of showers that you went to. Oh, so no ensuite rooms? No ensuite rooms, oh. just little dongers. And did you have to share them with the blokes? No. The girls had their own... Yeah, we didn't have as many showers as they did because there's a lot more of them, of course. Ooh, that's fair enough, yeah. I suppose. But, um, yeah, it was funny days, you know, you'd, it, particularly if you'd been out on the Saturday night um, and you maybe you had a nice set of underwear and, you <laughs> know, when it got washed and hung on the line, nine times out of ten it disappeared. <gasps> no shit. the mind boggles. <laughs> 
where it ended up and what happened and to what it. were they doing <laughs> and who knew that they had lean zombies and oh, every, not and, just mine oh not just yours no no not oh. just mine. so and then you know it got a lot of attention and we found early on that it was great to get a um male friend reasonably early as in a then, boyfriend yes or, yeah. and then they left you alone a bit otherwise yeah, right. everyone was sort of trying to Get on with you, and that was too much pressure, you know. Yeah, because you were single. I was single. Single when yeah, starting again. Exactly, yeah. but I wasn't looking. Yeah, I wasn't looking. You, you know, over men. No, <laughs> no, no, I wasn't over them, but I was there to do a job and make money. Yeah, and the rest would have been a bonus. And people think oh, twelve women and one hundred and fifty blokes, but you know, they're just guys, and not everyone appeals to you that or yeah. a lot of them don't for whatever reason mm. a lot of them have issues um as we all do particularly that sort of age group um baggage yeah baggage mm. but i hardly ever bought a drink for myself in any wet mess in any mine that i ever worked in really because i'd go into i'd buy one and then yeah. when i'd go to buy another one there'd be three or four guys wanting to buy me a drink. So you weren't sitting, like you were prepared to buy a drink? Of course. You didn't go there going, right, he's going to buy me a drink now. Oh, no, I was quite shocked. And because you had plenty of money yourself. Yeah, yeah. And in the first mine, there wasn't even many seats to sit on in the wet mess back then. Hmm. But whoever was sitting on a seat jumped up when I walked in, here, Lynn, you can sit here. And I'd go, all right, because I've been 12 hours. Oh, I'm exhausted. So did you have to stand up? Never. Mo- no, I mean at work mainly. Yes. Like in the lab. 12 and hours. All the time. As brief school. All yep. the time. All the time. <gasps> on your feet, 12 hours. Oh, bugger that. Yeah. Not like sitting on your butt in a truck. No. And mm. even as breakfast cook and, and then in the lab, we didn't stop. They were very, it was very, very hard jobs. Any kitchen hand or anyone who works in catering will know it's hard work. It's not a easy meal, you know. You've got to work hard. Mm. Um, and if you're not prepared to do that, well, just don't do it because yeah. you just can't hack it. Yeah. Um, I sometimes think driving a truck would be easier, but it's just never Did been you, my thing. I just wrote down to ask you: Have you were you ever tempted to get a, dro- a job driving a truck? No, never. Funnily enough, I thought it would be boring. Hmm. Um, I used to watch them going round and round and up and down all the time, and I think. Because I used to like use my brain back then. <laughs> as opposed I, to now. <laughs> as opposed to now. I just thought, no, it's not for me. It's too boring. I couldn't do it. Too monotonous. I'd like something happening all the time mm. and have to buzz around and be on my feet, not sit down in a truck all day, every day, 12 hours. And um, I've never regretted that decision. Mm. But you and other people have told me that, it's not boring. It's not. It's not monotonous. Well, it can be. Some people find it very boring and mm. can't hack it or just mm. whinge their guts out about it the whole time. Mm. But you, as Mad Mumsy listeners know, that you you make your own fun. You, you've got to be there, plan ahead, learn something, study something, mm. you know, plan for your new house, draw. While you're in the truck. While you're in the truck. Yeah. While you're there, you know, doing How do you think I've ended up with... Four brands and a podcast. <laughs> well, the jobs I had back then, there was no time for any of that. Half mm. the time there was no time to even have lunch. Oh, um, really? So mm. 
We used to get half hour lunch break. One or two? One. Um, in 12 hours? Mm, 10 minutes for a morning crib and that's about all. Yeah. But it was just go, go, go all the time and all you wanted to do at night was falling into bed. But having said that, we didn't do that. Did you do? Well, <laughs> the girls from the... I have heard plenty of these stories too. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, well, fortunately, we had to walk past a wet mess on our way back from the mine, back to camp. I'll just interrupt, um, just to explain for some people who might not know, you might have guessed by now what a wet mess is. Wet mess is where they sell alcohol. Yeah, so it's like the bar. Yeah, the bar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they call it the wet mess, don't they? Strange yeah, name. Yeah, and the other one, what is it? The mess or the Just dry the mess. mess? Yeah, that's where you have your meals. That's where you have your meals. Yeah. Mm. But the way it was set up in this second mine, you had to to get to camp. You had to walk past that wet mess, and <laughs> um, different ones were there earlier than us. Guys all drinking, and they'd say, "Who want a drink? You want a drink?" You'd say, oh yes. They're hot and dusty. You have yeah. a drink, so you'd sit and have a drink, and then two hours later, you'd still be there. After 12 hours, or 14 hours, I suppose, by the time you got up in the morning. And um, the mess was right next door. So we'd send someone in to see what the meal was for the evening. And if it <laughs> wasn't any good, we just used to forget about it and just stay there. Consequently, even on a Tuesday night, there'd be a party on, mm. you know. People would just happen and someone would go and get some spirits, you know, a bottle of bourbon or whatever, and, and you'd just keep going to about nine or ten or something, then think, oh, I better get home and have a shower and do it all again to borrow. So did they sell bottles of bourbon there in the wet mass? Yes. True. Sold yeah, not anymore now. Mm. Most, well, I don't know, a few camps you get your three light drinks per night, that's it. Oh, no. Yeah, you get times whatever. have changed. Yes. Um, dollar a can, I think it was. Uh was a dollar for a little half bottle of wine. Um, what did you used to drink back then? Moselle. Moselle. So what? Still wine. White wine. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. oh, I had another little, Moselle. I remember you drinking Moselle. Yeah, I had another little sideline going. I used to cut people's hair. Yes. <laughs> Tell, share that story. They were because they're out there for six weeks. Invariably, they need a haircut. Um, some people used to not have a haircut when they're on break, so they'd save it until they got out there. And I, I wasn't a hairdresser, but you know, someone asked a question one day, "Could you cut my hair?" And I said, oh, "I'll give it a go." Because you used to cut Dad's hair, didn't yes, you? yeah, back in the day, yeah, yeah, I could do it good enough, I thought, for them. Um, <laughs> but I used to say, "But it'll cost you." They'd say, "How much?" And I'd say, "Cask of wine." So. They used to give me a cask of wine or or a six-pack of beer and I used to put it in the bottom of my wardrobe. <laughs> and I had so much in there at one stage I could hardly hang my clothes up. <laughs> and it was the same if they wanted a beard trim, but oh, I didn't really like trimming the old beard because they were all a bit fussy about that. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah, that was good fun. Do you think some of them um... – I've got to try and put this delicately – just wanted a little bit of lean attention. Come Maybe. And, come and play with my hair. Come and cut my hair. Yeah. Yeah, there was probably a little bit of that. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. So when you were out there, that's when you met your husband now. I 
we'll move on to that? Yes. Yeah, because I seem to remember him telling the story of I'll bring a six-pack and he said don't bother and open the wardrobe door because it was full of grog from the haircuts. <laughs> and I'm still cutting his hair 26 years later. Yeah, 26 years. He's awesome. Yes, um, people come and went all the time and um, from the mine and this one day, I remember it was a was a Friday night and Friday nights were always pretty big because you had to put a carton on if you'd done something wrong during the week. And they actually did put the carton on, didn't they? Not like nowadays they say, oh, that's a carton, but no. not always it gets and given. everyone would save it up and put it on on a Friday night and sometimes yep. it'd be 20 or 30 <laughs> cartons. Gee, so, she must have been going down. <laughs> oh, yeah, and then sometimes someone would just put some on because why not? Yeah, well, someone's know? leaving. Yeah. Or yeah. It's just a good excuse to... Let your hair down. Mm. So um, when was this, sorry, on a Friday night? Friday night yep. was that. Um, but as I said, any night of the week. Well, that's it because that it's not a Monday to Friday job, is no, it? So it's no. Groundhog Days. <laughs> and when you're out there six weeks, you've got to make your own fun. Should be in this just, just a little interruption there. My daughter's dog just ate <laughs> Nana's lipstick. I'll get a beer while we're up. You good? I'm good. You good? Where were we? Do you recall? So one night we were all sitting around having drinks, as you do, and um, there was a new guy had turned up on the bus and he happened to sit next to me and chatted away and he was a bit, they were always a bit strange when they first get there because I don't know anyone, so mm. I talked to him, you know, as as you do. And um, he started telling jokes fairly, not very long after he sat down, and he was hilarious and I remember <laughs> cracking up at these jokes and then everybody started telling jokes so he fitted right in and that was the beginning of more than a friendship as it turned out yes and after how many years 26 years uh 28 years 28 we've been together years. now wow. yeah but we worked together he ended up getting a transfer to the laboratory um after we got together uh, I'd known him for about eight months I think just as a friend and then there was uh, – anyway, then we got together. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, some flashback yeah. times going on. <laughs> yeah. It is R-rated, but hey, you're my mum. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so w- was he um, Dione's shift partner? Yeah. Or leading shift hand. boss? Leading her. Yeah. They worked together, didn't they? They worked together and he taught her. Which is hard happening to my sister. Yeah. Yeah. And then he got – when we were together – he got a transfer to the lab and I taught him everything I know. Oh, and how did that go for you? Oh, very well. Going to work was excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and I was... didn't quite mean that bit. <laughs> no, he he was really good in the lab, very precise mm. but slow. <laughs> and he'll probably laugh when he hears that, but he knows he was slow and I had to keep revving it up and to keep things moving along. Is that because he was so meticulous? Precise, like when he cooks. Like everything he does. Yeah, so weigh this up, do this measure twice, cut once. Yeah, anyway, which is a good way to be. He got sick of that after a while, <laughs> wanted wanted to hightail it back to the plant where he didn't have to work so hard. Ah, right, yeah. yeah. They don't work, well, sorry guys, but they don't work as hard over there as well. Yeah. They didn't have to keep things going as much as we, as yeah, quickly as we did. Yeah. You know, they had to stop tanks overflowing and... 
keep the process going, but they weren't on the time scale that we were on. So with their, in the plant, it was more fixing things when they went wrong, <laughs> was it? That's a question, sorry. Yeah. Um, whereas in the lab, it was constant, get this done, because the figures have to go to the boss to tell them where to drill, where to dig, where to blow up, this is gold, this isn't. That goes to that dump. That goes to the waste. The waste. Yeah. Where, where does the good bit go? The crusher. Yeah, the crusher. crusher. Yeah. Have you ever um, poured gold or seen a gold pour? Yes, I've seen it poured. I haven't oh. poured. It's the metallurgist used to do that. Oh. Yeah, and I held a Is gold bar. Is that like bar. the top of the laboratory? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Crescendo. <laughs> oh, yes. Lab, lab people don't do that. Oh. But the metallurgist brought this gold bar in, and I'm sure it was about fifty kilos rings a bell. But that's pretty heavy. That's really heavy. Fifty but ounces. It was. Oh no, it was more. I oh, know. Might have been. Oh, I don't know. Sorry, guys. And they brought it in. It was the size of a house brick, and I couldn't lift it. It was so heavy. Oh, wow. And they weighed it on our scales that we had, and um, we all had pictures taken, kissing it and holding it up. Oh, wow. And it was, well, it was Have magic. Have you still got those pictures? Oh, probably in the archive somewhere. Oh, wow. Yeah, that'd yeah, be Yeah. That'd be good. That, that was good. Yeah. But best thing about that, I loved working there. worked there for three and a half years, and... It was the fun and the friends friendship that we made, and I know you talk about your mining family. That, that was a mining family, and when you're with them for six weeks at a time, oh my! God. You go through all their problems and your problems, and your ups and downs, and you really get to know people, and you make your own fun. You know, we had fancy dress parties and cocktail parties and everything out in the middle of nowhere. We just made our own fun, and it was great. And you still had to go to work the next day. Oh, that was the thing. Yes. We had to go to work even if we were hungover. You had to go to work. That was the thing. If you so you were allowed to do what you want at night so long as you showed up for work. You had to be there mm. 6 o'clock in the morning. And oh, walking into the laboratory, us girls used to, because <laughs> the chemicals in there had this sickly sweet smell and... Oh, the number of times that, you know, it was pretty hard working in there and you'd have knew you had 12, day, 12 hours of hard slog oh, wow. after a night out. But we did it regularly. You got used to it. <laughs> you know, sometimes you'd do it on three hours sleep, but there was yeah. no breathalysers or anything. Yeah. And um, they didn't drug test you back then either. Was there um, much drugs around? Yes. Yeah. Yes, there were. There were drugs around. And there were probably incidents, but, oh, I don't know. A lot was swept under the table back then, mm. you know. People got a slap on the wrist or whatever. It was just uh, about getting the job done. As long as the job was done and you didn't wreck, wreck the machinery, mm. you know, that you were operating on, hurt anyone, we sell, it was yeah. all right. We used to get lectures about it, but we used to go in one ear and out the other, because, and particularly on the weekends because all the bosses used to hightail it back to Perth. So they did five days a week. Oh, like a real job. Yeah, and there was no bosses on site at all. Oh. There was the next person down who generally was just like the rest of us. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was good fun. Yeah. Good fun. Happy days. Oh, and good camaraderie. And were there, were there ever – oh, 
silly question really of course there always would have been but times where it gets a bit nasty and feisty and with um certain people on cruise and and things did like did you ever see any all in brawls or anything no, like that no no Never no mass ever. orgies well no <laughs> <laughs> There was a lot of good parties. Yeah. A lot of good parties. Yeah. Um, so and the guys the... could party, and just as so long as there was a few women there, even if they weren't sort of with them, it just happened, and everyone was good. You know, it made it probably made it feel like living. Exactly. Not just having a few drinks with the blokes. You know, like if you're at home and you're at a barbecue and you've got other people's wives are around and stuff and it's just makes it and because you know we're nice and fun and, and well, change we don't want to move dirt all day or, or no. well you moved dirt in the lab as well yeah. and just did different stuff with it yeah <laughs> but you know there was always loud music and lots to drink and um sometimes we dance and I just think oh I can't believe I'm doing this after 12 hours all day on my feet but never mind <laughs> we used to somehow and it's came now, as you know, that the workforce, they're trying to get a lot more women in mm. because of that settling down factor that the blokes are better when there's women around. Yeah. Um, and it was a lot harder for them back then because there weren't very many of us mm. uh, and you had to be a certain type of person to work in the mines then, female. So what sort of women were working out there then? Was it a good cross-section or were there only mainly certain sorts of people? Well, the truck drivers were pretty, oh, I'd call them butch-type, yep. real strong butch-type people who you could never see working in an office or anything like right. that. Tomboys. Tomboys. Kind of one of the blokes. Yeah, one of the, one of the blokes, yep. definitely one of the blokes. Yep. And they never, ever got offered a seat in the bar or anything. Oh, right. Because they used to go in there straight from work in their work clothes and they acted just like one of the blokes. Yep. But the females who, particularly the girls who worked in laboratories um, or were cleaners or whatever, used to go back to their room and wash their hair and get changed and go in there looking half decent. Mm. And you got treated different, differently, for sure, with yeah. respect. I don't think... I ever got anyone not treat me with respect wow. as far as a male-female thing mm. went. There's a couple of guys that I didn't really like for whatever reason, but mm. which I won't go into, but nobody ever really gave me a hard time. No. It was great. Were there any women who went the other way and doled up and they were out there, you know, like sleeping around and stuff? I'm mm. sure there'd be a bit of that. Yeah, mostly... Um, <laughs> Used to be the cleaning staff, believe it or not. Catering type people, I suppose, uh, were a bit like that. Not to a great great extent. The ones who worked for the company, not, not the catering company, but for the mining company, no, most of them weren't. Most of them ended up with boyfriends. Yeah. Um, and that settled that side of it down. Were there any husband and wives out there who, like, came as a couple? Yeah, there was not very many husband and wives. There's girlfriend and boyfriend mm. type. Because um, there's quite a few of those now. Yeah, out in the which mind. they didn't really like hiring because if one left, the other one left, mm. and you'd lose two from your workforce, and it was Did hard to get someone else. Did they have a couple room? Couple room? Or? Um, 
Yeah. Or a house or... Because somewhere you were working, they had share houses, didn't they? Mm. Mm. Yeah, share houses. No, you don't want to talk about that. Yeah, share houses were... um, We ended up, we had an all-girls house, which was great. Yeah. I think we had one guy in there, which all the guys wanted to be that guy, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they weren't. You'd want the gay guy in there. <laughs> well, yeah, he was, he was different, put it that way, not, yeah. not one of the blokes. But, yeah. Um, yeah, the girl's house. But that was sort of different setup. But in another mine we had, um, they did have a, cu- a couple's rooms where they had two dongers and they had a, a doorway between the two so you could have one set up as a bathroom and the other one with a little lounge in it little sofa or something not oh, much yeah not not really couples oriented at all yeah no yeah. but you made the best of it yeah um just going back to rosters a little bit and you did night shift you said how how did you go sleeping during the day did you have any strategies to help you sleep or did you what happened there? You're rolling your eyes at me. <laughs> Get I, ready. This couldn't be anything. <laughs> I can't sleep during the day. Not even back like back then. No, I am um, terrible sleeper during the day. In cab situation, you get cleaners, and you probably mm. found it too. Yeah, they only got to slam a door in the room next door, and that's it. I'm awake. And if I'm awake, I'm awake. My eyes are just wide awake. Mm. And I used to count sheep and do everything I could not sleep Mm. um and when I was with my who's my husband now uh, we were on the same shift and he'd be snoring alongside of me but I could not sleep I I didn't like night shift at all so how do you struggled when you were at work or did you manage to get any sleep at work yes (laughs) (laughs) well (laughs) It's a good strategy, people. Learn when you can shut your eyes. <laughs> it helps take the edge off. Not like some people do nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> they have actually have fatigue rooms at the crew parts in the pit. Really? At some mines. And they're like a single bed with a light that um, goes off when you shut the door. And I believe after 20 minutes, it comes on I've never used it one myself but I think I need a lot more than a light coming on to wake me up and you're not allowed to have your phone in a lot of places as an alarm I'd still be there in the morning my truck would be running oh dear so yeah times have changed they actually have fatigue um I know there's a name for them fatigue room yeah yeah and fatigue breaks you're allowed to have a break we're allowed to have a break yeah yeah. rather than run a truck up a bund and stuff Yeah. yeah Because the laboratory, you know, had to keep going, you'd get to a stage where you knew you could go to the crib hut and have a, a break, but you always had your eye on your watch, eye mm. on your watch, and I set an alarm and all that because I had to keep my eye on things. But they had wooden benches and I could sleep, lay out on a wooden bench with my head in the crook of my elbow, which... Boy, I wish I could do that now. <laughs> I could no more do that now than fly to the moon. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Or put your head down and just get 10 minutes. But my worst time was about four in the morning. Mm. We knocked off at six. But half past four, just that light was starting to come. Mm. Um, I'd get so tired that I'd even laid down on the floor of the laboratory 
and got some rags out of the rag bag and used that as a pillow. Yeah. But just 10 minutes, just snatch something yeah. to keep you going. Yeah. You know, till yeah, you're knocked off. Right. But that was only on night shift. Day shift, I was fine. Mm. But night shift. Yeah. And so a lot of that is because you didn't manage to sleep in the in day. day. Yes. Yeah. So that's something for people who are listening who want to get into mining. Think, oh, I'll get a job in the mines. That'll fix everything. Mm. You know, can you sleep in the day? Mm. Are you a light sleeper? Are you able to? Yeah, mm. because it can have a big thing and mm. trucks are hitting buns because someone's mm. had a little micro sleep regularly. And the crows in the outback. Oh, crows. Oh, oh yes, crows. On the roof, yes. crows. You yes. think it's someone trying to break into your room. Mm. Mm. They are. Mm. And they're pulling rubbish out of bins and mm. other, another place had galahs and cockatoos mm. and everything. I even got up and recorded them on my phone. I'm like, how am I meant to sleep in this? Mm. Ridiculous. Yeah. It's funny because I used to be so fatigued on night shift because I didn't sleep during the day, and yet I could have three hours sleep on day shift and be <laughs> hungover and still get through the day. Mm. Because the sun was up. Sun was up. The sun was up, yeah. I could do it. Yeah. But um, see, I found yeah. I'm a little bit the opposite that I I can sleep in the day, no worries, and that as soon as I see the sun start to come up, I get excited and it wakes me up because I think it's getting closer to going home time. But I've heard a lot of people have said, and they keep saying it as kind of an affirmation: as soon as the sun comes up, I'm buggered. That's it. That's when I start getting tired. That's right. Well, well stop telling yourself that mate yeah. at least start telling yeah. your brain oh the sun's coming up i'm gonna yeah. wake up yeah. you know like you're talking yourself into it aren't you yeah. if you're saying that for 20 years sun's coming up quick get yeah. tired <laughs> but you know from five o'clock onwards it was full noise having to get the results ready for mm. the um, metallurgist you know you had mm. to be on on the ball then and then go and do it all again and then not so i think we did Two weeks of night shift. I was going to ask you that, rosters. Yes, two how weeks that worked. and had a, a like a pajama day, a yep. day off. Oh, a whole day. Yeah, <laughs> which um, yeah, we had a beautiful swimming pool. And we always used to go to the pool. Oh, nice. And oh, I went through. Some guy was. <laughs> do you want to hear the funny story? Of course I do. Yeah, one of my <laughs> mates was um, going through a divorce. Yeah. So on on a on the day off. Um, was really hot and he said let's let's get some drinks and go down the pool so we went down the pool and um i was drinking wine out of a cask thing and um it ended up we took the bladder out of the cask and i put it in the pool Mm. um to keep it cool yeah and i was swimming around and keeping it cool and Uh drinking it with Uh chlorine and all the rest of it straight out the cask straight out no wine glass no not even a plastic one no. <gasps> Such well, a commoner, Mum. <laughs> I know. It was, it was in the swimming pool. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember this particular day, we worked out, we spent seven hours in the pool mm. because a big dust storm come over and at the end of it there was a – they used to have a pull-out cover on the pool. Mm. Well, that was sort of at the end all the time rolled up and we were pulled it out a little bit and we were under there still drinking and he was – going on about his divorce and I was mm. giving him, I must have been giving him very good advice, I think, or just listening, I don't know. But, yeah, bit oh, of both. Yeah, we're mm. both like wrinkled old prunes by the oh, time we bet. come out. But we had a great day, Yeah, great day. So is that what 
pajama days were like usually. Yeah, get on, get on, the, get on the piss at the pool. There's nothing else for anyone to do. Yeah. Even even the guys, you couldn't go anywhere. There was mm. no town worth going to. Yeah. No town worth going to. The nearest big town was 450 k's away. Yeah. That's a bit hard to do mm. there and back in the day, which had done. And then you're supposed to be refreshed and ready to go to work because yeah. you had your day off. Yeah. 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 So um, we just made fun while we were there and talked about what we did on our break when you first got back from your break. Mm. You talked about what you did. That's what we did. And then you went through three or four weeks and then all you did was look forward to your next break and what you were going to do on your next break. Yeah. Yeah, what's on this break? Mm. See, I go through that, but I do it in days, not weeks. (laughs) So the first day and couple of days you're catching up with people, oh, what did you do last break? And then it was, "Mm, yeah, Yeah. and then, oh, what's on this break? Yeah. But you Uh, did that in weeks. Yeah, and right throughout the whole mine because there was – laboratories uh, I'm not admin they only worked five days a week but laboratories and plant operators and you know machinery operators and everyone was on although they were all on six six and one there mm. was always people coming and going at certain stages throughout the roster yeah so there's right. always someone down in the dumps because they'd just come back from, <laughs> oh, we've got six weeks to go or others were yay we're going soon and yeah you know, it's like that now but on a, yeah i think nowadays looking back on it i think it was a lot harder what we had to do mm. but we had a lot of fun things yeah, were more fun more fun you were allowed to have fun. Mm. The blind eye was turned to a lot of it. As I said, as so long as you turned up for work yeah. in some sort of shape <laughs> without messing anything up, mm. yeah, it got by, you know. Yeah. People were reprimanded if they didn't come to work. Because there was they, still a line, obviously. There was a line, yeah. It was just a lot further along than the lines are now. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think safety-wise... What you guys do is a lot better now. It's a wonder there weren't a lot more accidents back then, mm. really. Um, even the clothes we wore and yeah. everything like that. Yeah, you know, and no sunscreen. Did you have sunscreen? No. So that's a big part of wearing the long sleeves mm. is uh, skin cancer. Mm. Mm. Which no. I'm starting to get the odd one now. Mm. But that comes from youth back then. Back in the day, sunscreen, I don't think, was invented. It was called baby Baby oil. oil. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. Wow, I can't imagine that. Well, I can because I've seen you do it. Lay out there with baby oil on. You just couldn't do it. Just sizzled and fried. Yeah, it'd be crazy. Mm -hmm. So I suppose kind of moving on, is there anything else that you want to say before we do about... I mean, we could talk forever on all this, but is there anything? Oh, one story I would like you to share is when the big truck turned up on site. The big, there was the latest big truck turned up, and you all went running out to go and see it, and it was um, uh, a triple seven, which is now a tiny truck. Right. What were the trucks we had? Were they triple fives? No, they would have been, oh, I don't know, 763 or something. Oh, I don't think they were 7 anything. I can't remember. I don't know what. But they were very, they're like Tinker Toys now when we see them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Because, well, perhaps it was um, your hubby 
Baz, who was there, he remembers it because he, we laugh because we both drive trucks. Mm. We're like, oh, my God, it's 777, and they're so little. They're the, they're the smallest and, trucks and that, that we ever biggest, see. Yeah, that was the yeah. biggest. And everyone was going, and you, you were going, wow, it's so big. Mm. Times change, don't they? they just I certainly do. Mm. So you have had this career, started as a breakfast cook, went to the lab, left after a while, opened a shop, decided to go back to mining, back as a cook, then back into the labs, then a lab supervisor. What happened after that? Did you leave again and then end up going back? or Because I know that you've worked in most states of Australia. Yes, um, I went back to West Australia three times to the same mine, as it turned out, and each, <laughs> each time it changed hands. Ah, right. Got yeah. sold and went back there, so that was quite a few years. But then when my husband Barry and I we were going to get married, we both said, oh, we've had enough, we're over it, and we didn't think it would be a good married life for us, so I talked him into coming back to Queensland, mm. um, and he said, yes, let's do it. So we came back to Queensland and went back, that's right, and then we were going to get married and we ended up, we got married in Adelaide and moved to Queensland again, moved around a lot. <laughs> And spent a few years in Queensland and I didn't work much and he couldn't get much work and it was pretty tough times. So it was, oh, let's go back to WA. And um, he got a job back in West Australia in Kalgoorlie in the big super pit. And um, Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. one of the biggest in the world. Yeah. And I didn't want to live in Kalgoorlie. I don't know why, but I didn't want to then. So I lived closer to Perth and um, he was away for two weeks at a time and that was the first time since we'd been together that we were apart mm. and I didn't handle it very well. So how much time did he have off? Two weeks on? Was it one week? One week off. One off? Yeah, which was one? a far better roster, but I was by myself ah. in a strange town and I didn't really like it. And, I got and very... you weren't working? No, I weren't working and I was very ill while I was there. So um, we left there and I left there and moved to Kalgoorlie with him. But mm. I, I was recuperating. So he was home every night? Every night he was home Town every job. night. Town Townie. job. Townie. Yeah. And he loved working in the super pit and I, I went there and did a big tour of it and all the rest of it and loved it. Yeah. yeah but I, I was too ill to go back to work. So yeah. I'd pretty much retired from all that then. And um, that was when he got me into painting. So um, Barry bought me a canvas and some paints and said, how about try and paint? And I said, oh, all right, I'll give it a go. So I tried painting and it wasn't very good, but it was all right. I dabbled. Uh, what did you paint? What was the first thing you painted? Oh, the first thing I painted was a swan that looked like a fat little duck or something. It was pretty <laughs> gross. <laughs> yeah. And a flour mill that I think I've still got that painting and you look back now and go, oh, my God. Oh, my God, oh, my God. Yeah. So he worked there for a year or two and then we decided we'd leave again and we went to Queensland, this time to Brisbane, and he was working there and then he got a job 
in New South Wales in a mine. By this time, he was a, a loader operator, truck operator, trainer assessor. No, he wasn't trainer assessor then. Loader operator and truck operator. And we went moved to New South Wales and stayed there for two years. And I painted quite a bit while I was there. Mm. So um, did you enjoy that? Did you loved enjoy it. the painting? Loved yeah. it. I wasn't very good, though, but I loved it. Sold a few to friends. Yeah. You know, guys knew in the mines and that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you should sell on eBay. Yeah. Sold quite a few on eBay. Because I remember helping you do yes. that. We had a list, wrote out what to do. Yes. You've come so far. Yes. That was good My fun. techno mum. <laughs> not really. <laughs> yes, you are. Still not very techno. You're the techno person <laughs> no, in the family. So that's when you ended up having a medical to go back in the mines when you were 60. Was that down there? Yes. Well, by that's the, by, another story we yeah, need to share. By this time... You'd arrived in New South Wales and lived with us. And that's when I started my mining career. Your mining career. <laughs> Seeing the rest of us had all done it, so it was your turn to come Crazy. in. And uh, I think Barry taught you a few things. Oh, plenty. We've just got to say this. And we used to come home and Barry would be teaching me, because I was hopeless, and how to back in under the shovel properly in a truck and we'd have the remote controls out on the coffee table and say, the shovel's here and you go around the back of it and you do the curve and you come back and you'd always tell us off because and we had to shut up because home and away was on. <laughs> well, you two shut up, talk of bloody mining. <laughs> oh, my God, it was funny. Yeah, well, while we were there, I decided I was bored and needed to meet some people, so I got a job. There was a laboratory in town. That's so right. they wanted a laboratory assistant, and I thought, that'll do. By this time, I turned 60, so this is 10, 11 years ago. Oh, mm. 11 <laughs> years ago. Do the math. <laughs> <laughs> and um, went along to the doctor for a medical, and he said, are you sure you want a medical to, to work in a, a laboratory? <laughs> and I said, yes. And he said, you know I can fail you if you don't really want to work in the laboratory. <laughs> Are you being made to do this? <laughs> I said, no, I'm not being made to do it. I want to do it. Yeah. And I didn't need to do it. You know, Barry was earning enough money. There wasn't a money problem. I just needed to do something. And I thought, oh, I know how to do that. Anyway, we got through the medical, just going through the medical and we got to, I had to do squats. And I thought, oh, this will be good because the old knees weren't too good back then. It's not much as a, better now, as, as it turns opposed out. to now. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "Look, I can't do squats." He said, "Just try." So I bobbed up and down a bit, and he said, "That's not a squat." And I said, "Well, you hold my hands, and I might be able to do one." Got me back up, and he said, "Are you really sure you want to go and work in this laboratory?" And I said, "Look, I don't have to do squats." Yeah, I, know I don't have to do squat. <laughs> squat. Oh, I knew I had to work, I but I knew what my limitations were and I knew I'd be able to do it. Yeah. And because um, I thought I'm you not You wouldn't have going... gone back otherwise, no, would you? I'm not going in as a supervisor. I'm just going in as a little labby. It'll be fine. And he asked me so many times. He said, you're 60 years old. Are you sure? I said, yes. So he passed me. I got the job. <laughs> and everyone else was heaps younger than me, but I was fairly experienced, so it was a breeze. I knew what I was doing, and they soon 
knew that I knew what I was doing. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I did that for a while. Mm. And that was good. worked out good. Yeah. And then when you left there, that was the last mining job? That was the last mining job. Yeah. I decided, I reckon that's it. Oh, I reckon that's it. Because I had this little thing in the back of my head that I wanted to paint, keep painting. And be an artist. So before we move into the the next stage, which is your art, and we'll, we'll touch on that, do you have any tips for women coming through now who are looking to work in a male-dominated industry, not just mining? It can, it can <coughs> be used in anything, but, I mean, you, you're one of our pioneers you were out there in the trenches. Oh, it's in the you trenches. You were clearing so. the way for us chicks to come in now. Mm. Um, have you got any anything you'd like to say to people thinking about it or even doing it already? Yeah, I think you need to be a fairly strong personality. Don't let uh, the guys like wear you down or walk all over you. Uh, learn your job and, and do it to the best of your ability. But if, if you're not handling it, don't just break down and cry. Like me, um, used to. You don't usually get anywhere like that. Ask someone. If you don't know something, ask. I've always been a firm believer in that and mm. I still do it. Now I'll Google something if I don't know it, so that works well. <laughs> ask Simon. But in mining you can't really, you know, mm. Google it. But um, just believe in yourself and have pride in yourself, I would say, and don't fall into just being one of the blokes Mm. Um, I found that the girls, women, females who be female get on and are accepted a lot better than ones who just try and be one of the blokes. Because, okay, yeah, you're one of the blokes and you swear and all that. We all do occasionally. Well, a lot. (laughs) My mother used to tell me that whenever I come home on break, I had a foul mouth, which I didn't think I did have because I tried to not have it. When but, you were at home with my Yeah, but at work, that was something I consciously tried not to do mm. because they don't really like it. Deep down, they like you to be not prim and proper by any means, you know, enjoy yourself, but be proud of being a female. And I I had to really try and be as good, if not better than them at what I did. But that was just me. Mm. Some people don't have that in them, um, something I've always done. You know, if I was getting the same money, I was going to at least be as good as them, if not better. And I found I was always successful doing it that way. Mm. I found that I remember you saying to me when I started, don't be a thing, <laughs> I think you called it. <laughs> you know, don't don't just try. I'm trying to think how you put it. It was about still be a girl who drives a truck. Mm. So you don't have to be one of the blokes. But I know that I that's kind of where I started because I've always been tomboy anyway mm. and I think I've kind of come full circle. I used to pride myself because I could swear along with the best of them, mm. whereas now I really do try to not swear as much and, okay, I swear on this podcast sometimes and sometimes it's bloody well needed, you know. Exactly, yeah. For emphasis, at least use it instead of a joining word, which some Mm, women mm, and men mm, do mm. so there's a balance to everything and I guess I've grown up too because I've been doing it for 12 mm, years now mm. myself and I think the other thing is because you will get attention 
um, certain girls who look different than others, get more attention than others, don't let it go to your head Mm. because a lot of blokes out there, guys, whatever you like to call them, and maybe not as much now because particularly over here in coal and the rosters are so small, they're not so lonely. But Mm. when it's a big roster and they're a long way away from home, they they just really, really want female company and you have to learn to be nice but firm and pretty much don't be a tramp or whatever you like to call it Mm. because they don't think anything of you anyway after that. So you've got to have self-respect, yeah. and if you can have that self-respect and your own morals, you'll go a long way. And ultimately, they respect you for that anyway. Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's what I try right. to bring up, in your, instill into you and into your sister. Well, mm. and especially, and Diony did talk about it in our interview, where she um, she was 18, mm. the only clothes she owned were shorts and exactly, stuff. Exactly, yeah. And she didn't even realise what what she was putting out mm. at that stage. Mm. But um, and you you were there. You would have had to have talked her through all mm. that as well. Yes, <laughs> and I. protect your daughter. Uh, I was like an old mother hen. Oh but, yeah. yeah, and she was probably very lucky that you were there too. Oh, might have been so. a different story. Never thought of that before. I don't think she would have started there if I hadn't have been there. Wouldn't have been in her radar. I don't think. Mm, probably. Not really, not no. at that age. Um, and nowadays, as I said, it's a lot easier because there's so many more females in the workforce and it's great. Yeah. You know, we, we had to go through a lot. And now laws are that they're not allowed to harass you, they're not allowed to say certain things to you. It's, mm. what do you call it, sexual Scrim- harassment yeah, and discrimination. discrimination. There was nothing like that back then, mm. nothing like that. And, and you had to rise above it somehow or tell them where to go, which is mostly what I did. (laughs) (laughs) Stand up for yourself. Stand up for yourself, yeah. You had to, you know. So you're right, pioneer, I suppose, paved the way. And over the years it's all got a lot better. Yeah. Sometimes it's taken a bit too far, I think, but, you know. Yeah, and and that can come in because everything's so politically correct now. It's not just women at work. It's it's race. It's um, it's everything. Religion. It, it's yeah, religion, sexuality, as mm. well as being. But back then, it was probably being a woman was the first thing that they started looking at. Now, hang on, mate, you can't. And the big thing that I like to try and say is to the blokes, I'd like them to think along the lines of: imagine if it's your daughter out there, or your sister, or your mum mm. that's working out there. Would you talk to them like that? Would you want other people to treat them like that? So, and it has changed even in my 10, 12 years mm, yeah. as, you know, and then in your 30. So that's a good thing. We're on the right track. Yeah. Well, back then there was a lot of guys who left wherever, Victoria, Tasmania, anywhere on the East Coast, went over to the West. Uh, they left a failed marriage behind um, and they just wanted to lose themselves out in the desert and make money. And a lot of it was... Uh, with some of them, not all of them by any stretch of the imagination, but you did come across the chauvinist ones where it was, oh, you bloody women, you mm. know, oh, you bloody one. females this and that. And I made a point of, oh, you wait, you'll end up being a mate of mine, mm. you know, and prove to them that I wasn't like that. Yeah. 
And um, not all women are like that. Not all they, women are And like the that. same with men. Not all women are like that. Uh, men are like that if you've been burned for yeah. whatever reason. Yeah, you get you get burnt and mm. you do put people in groups, you know. But um, there was a lot of guys out there like that. Mm. And I used to just suss them all out and leave them be. And then some of them end up being real good buddies yeah. with, you know. Um, I know you've told me over the years there were also guys out there, uh, don't take photo of me. Where's that photo gone? Mm. Um, because they're out there working away and not paying, not paying child support, not paying child support, just making a hiding. lot of money, mm. making a lot of money, hiding out, not paying child support. Or there was warrants out for the arrests or whatever. Because <laughs> it wasn't so. Because you hot didn't up even now. you didn't even have a police check when you yeah. started work, so no no one knew where you were. Yeah, you could have um, been anyone. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah times have changed now. God. Everything you got to try and um, get together just to apply for a job, mm. front and back of license and birth certificate mm. and this and that. It wasn't all of that back then. Just no, rock no. up and do the job if you can do it. You're hired. That's right. Yeah. Mm. Just rocked up. So, in closing, how do you, Lynn Olson, my mummy, my mum, when life goes to shit or when things get tough? Um, we all need to have strategies to get us through those times. What do you do in day-to-day life that makes you know when things go bad, you have a way to deal with it? Well, as we touched on before, I took up painting and it became my passion, particularly when I eventually left mining at the age of 62, I think. <laughs> After doing a half squat for a medical. <laughs> <laughs> totally out of my system and decided, no, I'm going to be an artist. So I put my heart and soul into being an artist and I'm getting there. I'm gradually, with a lot of help from you <laughs> and my family, my support group, um, I'm becoming reasonably uh, successful so I go to my happy place and I suppose what you're trying to say is what is your happy place? Yeah. And my happy place is my studio down in the backyard um. Um, surrounded by my art, uh, music on, fan on because we're in Queensland. If it's <laughs> too hot, the air con, but I don't use the air con much. It's usually just the fans and the music and I just paint and I total, I'm totally engrossed in what I'm doing. And I just forget about it, whatever it is, bills, health, family problems, whatever. Yeah. And that's how I de-stress because I'm really, really happiest when I'm painting. Oh, that's lovely. And I'll add some photos, if I may. Do I have permission? Yes. Of the studio uh, in the show notes, which can be found at madmumsy.com forward slash beers 18. That's the number 1818. Now, you're a little bit famous. You're, you're being very modest in this. You were on the Colour in Your Life TV show. For those who may not know, perhaps you don't know, it's the the show that's on the telly where the guy is on Harley and he rocks up and he interviews artists around the world. And um, you, were, you were on that show. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes. So exciting. That Ooh. was exciting. Um, back in Perth once again, <laughs> but this time. How I'm many a... times have you been over that <laughs> Nullarbor? <laughs> well, Barry is West Australian, so we tend to go back for family reasons. Yeah. Plus, Dione, my daughter, lives over there, so we do go back. Yeah. 
yeah, the Nullarbor, but this time in the caravan and on holidays. And um, the TV show was being shown over there, uh, being filmed. So I was invited through my website to do the show. And I thought, oh, yes, all right. So I did the show, which is um, 24 minutes of uninterrupted um, being interviewed and painting at the same time. Totally scary with lights and microphones and very, very scary. But um, a lot has come out of it and I mm. really enjoyed it. And that was at Dione's house? Yes. Yeah. And it's really helped you because I've been trying to get you <laughs> to share your art online more, your workshops and things. So that's where we're working uh, now in, in, in Mad Mumsy's spare time. And um, I know that since you did that show, you realise that, yeah, you can share what you do and you can speak on a microphone and you've been fantastic today <laughs> as well. And so you've got the website, which is? LynnOlson.com. LynnOlson.com. Again, I'll add links in the show notes. And an online school. Do you know what that is? She's pointing at me because <laughs> <laughs> I do it for her. It's learn.lynnolson.com. And some of the workshops on there are free. There's a couple of free courses on there yeah. and there's a couple that, you know, you can pay, pay for and there's going to be more. And I don't paint at all not an artist bone in my body, although mum seems to think it's hiding in there somewhere. <laughs> oh, you're the writer. Uh, so I interview, I guess, well, um, not interview, commentate whilst mum is painting and sharing and, and I ask the questions that mum doesn't even realise people don't know. Mm. I come from the total, oh, my God, I have no idea what you're talking about. Why did you just do that? What is this again? What is that? So, and it's a little bit of fun and mm. banter, and we have lorikeets and mm. rainy days and and stuff, and so we're really enjoying that, and um, that's what we're working towards. Yes, and my artwork is very contemporary. I found when I did the Colour in Your Life show, I painted a um, coral reef scene, and it's done very well around the world. Um, up to this point in time, there's been 29,500 hits. Oh my god, we're on YouTube. 30,000 soon. We better have a cheers on that. Cheers. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and because of that, I've been invited to go in various publications, yep. art publications, and I won an award this year uh, for a Contemporary Artist Award Top 60 Masters. Nice. And this was a worldwide award which sort of blew me away a bit. <laughs> Is that where you were going to go to, to France, France. Yes. and go to the castle and yes. get get, re, get rewarded? No, that's not the word. Awarded. Get awarded. Awarded and stuff. But, yeah, you couldn't get over there. No, um, we decided not to go because it was just after the Paris bombing. Yeah, I'm and, so glad that you didn't go. Yeah, and it was in a chateau in France, which in other times would have been unbelievable. But... <sighs> We chose not to go, and yeah. then since then there's been the one in Nice and various other things. So we tend to, I think, want to stay in Australia at the moment. I think that's a good idea. <laughs> mm. But I've um, 
was invited to be represented by a art gallery in Miami, uh, not Miami, Australia, Miami, Florida. <laughs> well, not Miami on the Gold Coast. Yes, Is that... there's a Miami in Perth or Mandurah as well. Oh, and there's one on the Gold Coast? Yes. Or did I make that yeah, up? Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. So the real Miami. The real Miami. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm represented by that gallery at the moment. So I sent a few paintings over there and that went well. And then I was invited to show in New York um, in a group showing. So they went to New York and that was rather mind-blowing. Wow. And then from there um, I was invited to show in Italy and and so on. And so it's continuing like that at the moment. So, yeah, it's doing really well. I'm loving it. And it's something I can do now that I'm – older and not as mobile as I used to be but I can keep doing it and I love it and uh, that's where I'm at at this point in time and it's fantastic and I'm really excited about the online workshops because we've got a lot more to share yet and you also do workshops in person not just online but that's lessening now yeah because of travel and yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. I, I keep getting asked to do workshops around mm. Australia. Latest one, I've been asked to do one on the Gold Coast, so that, that'll be good. Yeah, and um, just see how they come and where I'm at at the time as to what I do and how busy I am. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's going really well, That's and I can see me doing it forever, forever. Yeah, of course, with forever. my support crew, yourself mainly. And my husband Barry does all my um, postage and packaging and shipping and stringing of paintings. And he's awesome. He's even got his own little course on the web, on the web on the uh, school. That's right. Yeah, yeah. of yeah. how to string your painting. And yeah. he's a, he's a born trainer teacher. He is. <laughs> he, is. he is. And yes, he is coming on the podcast. We're going to talk all about training. So in closing, if someone wanted to reach out and connect with you in regards to your art, what is the best place for them to follow and see see your art and see what's going on? Well, I have a Facebook page, Lynn Olsen Art, and I also have a website, lynnolson.com, and for my online workshops, learn.lynnolson.com. And I'm also on Pinterest, Lynn Olsen. <laughs> Lynn Olsen, she's looking at me with raised eyebrows because we've just cranking up Pinterest. <laughs> but uh, it's time to say goodbye now. We could chat all day and I have been known to, but I have to go and cook tea. That's <laughs> right, you're cooking tea tonight. I'm on tea and hopefully the dog in the background hasn't distracted everyone too much. I will edit out as much as I can, but we're babysitting my daughter's dog. Um, all the links we discussed in this episode are at madmumsy.com forward slash beers 18. That's Mad Mumsy with a Z or a Z, depending where you're from, and the number 18. I would love you to please leave a rating and review on iTunes so more people can hear about the Beers with a Minor podcast. What's that? You're not an iTunes fan? Or just search for Beers with a Minor in your favourite podcast app. And of course, please share with your mates. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you. Until next week, stay safe. Be real, be special and have fun, for we only live once. Cheers.